Hi everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for episode number 20 in Courageous Conversations and my guest today is my very old friend Rick Rushton who is a speaker, a trainer and author in the real estate space. Welcome Rick. Thank you so much. I feel old after that introduction and uh, yeah I know I get it. Lovely to be here on Courageous Conversations following in the footsteps of some of your amazing guests. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. So Rick let's go back how did you get into real estate in the first place? I fell into it like I reckon most people do. Trying to say don't most of us did, yeah. I don't think I really was ever thinking at school, I can't wait for school to finish so I can start my real estate career. I actually, you know, had sort of dreams and aspirations to be a professional sports player. That didn't go so well. Um, I ended up realising fairly quickly I have to do something from an economic standpoint. I'd spent two weeks at Teachers College and thought there's no way no I'm going to stand in front of a, you know, a lectern or a whiteboard or or a blackboard and teach people. So bailed out of that, did a few odd jobs and realised fairly quickly that I'd have to get into something of some sort of skill set. And real estate just seemed to be something I was interested in without really knowing why. And it, it sort of had a bit, I had a bit of curiosity around it and then started looking at who was the best organisation in my town, rocked in there and said, here I am. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm available if you want me. To which the sort of person sitting opposite said, you're on pretty good terms with yourself, aren't you? I said, is that a good thing? And they said, uh, no, that's pretty, uh, yeah. I said, isn't confidence an important thing in real estate? They said, well, confidence is, arrogance isn't. And I thought, oh, there's the first little note. But uh, so, no, I was really fortunate to fall into a, an organisation, Leanne, that had a, a massive growth culture and wanted to train their people and upskill them pretty directly. So uh, that's about as much thought as I went into it and entered into the real estate marketplace with interest rates at 17 and a quarter percent. So when you look at the latest RBA numbers today, you laugh, don't you? I think the lucky sellers were on 13 and a quarter ceiling, I think, and yeah, and the marketplace, it come back from the peak of the market in them days, 1988, to now 1990 when I got in, the market had come back about 20% in our town. So people that had bought their home for 100, it was now worth 80, but they probably owed 85. And so, but for me, it was the best market I'd ever seen. So I just went out there with no real other intent than just t- trying to sort of help people. And that's the thing, right? It doesn't really matter what's going on in the market, what's going on in the economy, what's going on with the interest rates. The market is the market. The economy is the economy. People still need to buy and sell. And you just need to be clear on how you can help them achieve those goals. Well, the good thing for me was ignorance is bliss, you know. So I didn't really know that I shouldn't have been in real estate at that time. Most in our office, Liam, were saying things like, man, you should have been here two years ago. And... uh, and I said, why is that? And they said, oh, the market was phenomenal. Now, in my mind, the market was phenomenal. So I was going out looking at houses with buyers with really no preconceived ideas. They go, this looks like a lovely home. I'm thinking, absolutely, I'd live here. You know, so I had this energy. And they'd ask me a real leading question like, you know, how long has it been on the market? And I go, I don't know. You know, and have it been in the office? I don't know. Is there, why are they selling? I don't know. So all I could answer was, I don't know. Uh, if they did want to make an offer, though, I knew how to fill out the paperwork because I'd just done the uh, the licensing program, which in them days was a sub-agent sort of course that you could do um, effectively part-time. And uh, so I knew how to fill out the forms, and that was about as much upskilling as I, I had done. Thank goodness we've come forward, and I know you're really passionate passionate 
about that you know, licensing and qualification stuff today. But back then, it was really – it took me longer, Leanne, to get my multiple listing, uh, which in them days the multi-list. So anyone new in the business is now going to have to Google what that even means. But you had to get your multi-listing certificate. It took me longer to get that than my actual agent's representative license, which was scary. But I don't want to open up a can of worms for you. No, absolutely not. And let's face it, it was a few years ago now. Yeah, that's right. I, it was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I think I had hair. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I think that that's the beauty of real estate. It doesn't really ask a lot of you other than that you come in with, uh, you know, maybe a, a service mentality. You want to help people. And my view was people were moving to a better place. And my job was just to help them make that move. And without the upscaling, downsizing or whatever, I just came with that willingness to want to help people. And it sort of built. And then I really built my career around that. And you also spent a lot of time and I guess money on self-development, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in the early days, there was really no Australian reference points. So I was going to see guys like Tom Hopkins, who was an American sales trainer. I remember Tom. We were at a conference and he said to everybody, we all had to stand on our chairs and he said, who's the best salesperson in the room? And we all had to stand on our chairs and put our arms in the air and go, I am. (laughs) And I just doesn't. How does that? They're like that's got to be the eighties, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was always that. You know, hey, real estate champions through that pop yeah. going back. So someone would, you know, so someone a buyer would give you an objection or a question, just answer it with a question. So like, so yeah, that was interesting for the dialogue training because it was a case of the buyer would say, "How many bedrooms has it got? How many bedrooms would you like? You know, how big's the yeah. pop? How much land would you like? You know, and it's almost like at some stage we're in a cul-de-sac here. We've got to get out of this. At some stage, we actually have to answer the question. I didn't get too much out of Tom other then he talked about the influence of you know selling yourself first before you have to sell the customer or the client so i like that aspect but luckily uh then you know there was a few uh, australian references neil jemman love him or hate him um he had a, a system back then which was winning in real estate i did that uh David Pilling, the systems revolution, uh, I did that. Two totally different systems. One was proactive marketing, auction everything in open homes. The other was private treaty, take buyers around one at a time and qualify. And then you had guys like Neil, uh, well, yeah, Neil Gemman, David Pilling, Peter Gilchrist. It wouldn't matter who it was. I was pretty comfortable to go and see anybody. And I think what I was able to do was go, ooh, that that person said this and I reckon that would work for me. This person said that and I don't think it would. And so it's just a bit of trial and error. And then you find it to be authentically you. And so you just bring in some things that work. And in the end, I was finding more from outside of our industry than I was from inside to be brutally candid. And, and that's where I found more, more value. I sit up the back of a Australian Institute of Management session in my hometown of Melbourne in St Kilda Road. They'd have a once a week. They'd have a voice of values sitting out in the front and just giving some context around influence or psychology or you know strategic selling. And I would just take notes and then, then just bring that back and role play on the marketplace and <laughs> some work. Yeah, as and, you do. And then it just went from there. And Tony Robbins. I remember years and years ago you told me a story about how you actually met Tony Robbins when he was in town. Do you remember that story? I do remember the story well, and I. I was fortunate enough to meet his mentor, the late great Jim Rohn, before Tony, funnily enough. So, you know, I had a, a fair understanding about how I would best be able to connect with him, but he was staying at a certain hotel that I did have a bit of an in with a connection there. One of the head concierge guys I knew through sort of uh, a past sporting life. 
And we sort of created an opportunity where I could accidentally bump into him, which didn't seem to work. And in the end, what we realised was he was a pretty time regimented uh, person, Leanne, and he loved training. And so, you know, in the end, what I was able to do was work out his size, which I'll never forget it because that was the it was the largest size you could get in a Reebok at the time. And I knew he was into Reebok cross trainers. So I went and got a, uh, a pair of uh, his favourite runners, uh, you know, packaged them all up, got my friend from concierge to go and deliver it to him. And inside the actual box, when he opened it, was a card from me saying, hey, Tony, I've, I've learned of you. From the from our mutual mentor Jim Rohn, he tells me your time is incredibly valuable. I'm only after 15 20 minutes now for that. I'll exchange it with a pair of these amazing cross trainers from Reebok. Uh, I believe they're the best in the world. Uh, I believe you're one of the best in the world of what you do. You have the right shoe, I've got the left shoe, and I'm happy to exchange the left shoe for 15 minutes of your time to have a chat. And that sort of enabled me to have more than a 15 minute chat with him. And then I was able to sort of connect with him at his own resort in the Mali in Fiji and uh, yeah, had a had a really good connection with him and um yeah couldn't couldn't get him today for love nor money but it was a pretty cheap investment way back then yeah that's a phenomenal story how long ago was that yeah uh, so that was 1994 uh summer off so it could have been bleeding into 95 to be brutally candid but uh, yeah 94 95 somewhere in there <laughs> yeah, yeah that's fantastic just love that story so thank you for sharing Pleasure. And so you then went on to do a lot of um, training in the real estate space, which is obviously how you and I first connected back in mm, 2003. Yep, absolutely. I remember that well and and, uh, that was all great. And one of the things that, you know, as a student going to these events, I would then come back and share the content with my own team and uh, our, our team was an independent company, Leanne, way back then and we were part of a, a cooperative group that would have a, a monthly sort of training session and each group would then produce, a, uh, you know, normally their best salesperson or the best property manager or the best administrator to give a, a you know, short, sharp talk on what they do way, way before the TED Talks. They were almost like that. They are like 20-minute blasts and, you know, what have you learnt? And so I was sort of sharing what I'd learnt from sessions. Not, I wasn't our best. I wasn't our company's best salesperson by any stretch, but I was learning a lot of stuff at these events, and I was sharing them. And then, so what would happen was some of these. Uh, independent officers would ask me to come and talk for their teams and share it in greater detail, which I do. And then I'll never forget it. Very clearly, I got uh, asked by uh, a bit of a legend in in, in the industry way back then, uh, a guy called Ian Reid, to say, "Can you come and you know share what you just sh- shared with the wider group with my team more intensely in my office?" Uh, and he gave me a date, and I said, "Oh, I can't." And he said, "I'd pay you." And I went, "Oh, it's not." It's not about the money. It's just I'm, I've got a solid you know, day of you know, appointments, you know, listing opportunities and buyer appointments, but would you actually pay me? And he said, absolutely, I would. I said, how much would you pay me? And look, I'd be making up the number if I said it now. I think it was about 500 bucks. It might have even been 1000 I thought, are you kidding me? I'd do that for nothing. And that was the first time I realised that my passion wasn't really real estate. My passion was sharing knowledge. So I would repackage what I'd learnt and then come in time tested in my own sort of environment. And I was really role-playing on the marketplace. And I found what worked didn't work and then it, that sort of opportunity created more opportunities and it's just kind of gone from there i haven't i've been really fortunate to never have to really market my training services uh, you know I, I get connected through you through a mutual friend uh 
who then says, you know, this person's worth speaking with. You find out that I'm, uh, you know, someone who could add value to your team. We connect. We're up at, uh, I think it was Caloundra in 2003. And, you know, from there, I think you've booked me just about every year since. So, I, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. Pretty much. Yeah, I know. You've been great. And we're, we're catching up next, uh, later this month. I think. We are. Yeah, absolutely. In a couple of weeks. Yeah, which is going to, going to be amazing. And I always love your events because two things you're going to know is happening. It's going to be full of energy and it's going to be full of content. <laughs> so, you know. Yes, absolutely. And I know I can't just trot out old lines with you because you'll actually absolutely, uh, you know, grade me down because of it. So um, there's very few people whose, whose opinion I value more than yours, but yours is right up there. So <laughs> That brings me back to a quote of yours that I use very regularly. And I'll never forget after that first session in Caloundra, I said, I'm going to do the feedback from the attendees so I'll send it through and you're like well no you don't have to worry about that I'm like what why not and you said because I don't know them if I don't know them and don't value them then I don't value their feedback and but however Leanne I know you and I value you so you tell me what your feedback was yeah and, and that does, I don't want that to sound sort of arrogant or, or out there but what, what it really is no, it doesn't I know that the feedback forms that I get speaking now with larger audiences even than, um, you know, uh, just in my current genre as a, as a platform speaker, that it's never as good as they've said it is and it's never as bad as they thought it was either. Somewhere in between there's the reality. And I think I'm kind of now at a stage where I know if I sucked and I know if I think I've added value. And But if it's someone who I really, really value, I absolutely drill them and say, you know, what did I do? And when they, oh, no, you're awesome. Well, hang on, when you say awesome, what was it specifically that I did that was awesome? Yeah, what what have been the outcomes since then that's made you think that that was a worthwhile session? How's your team improved? Because, yeah, so I'll, I'll get really deep with someone I'm really deep with, <laughs> but I won't do it with the standard sort of um, conference feedback uh, scenario because I just, I, I've just learned it's, it's impossible to get 100% compliance and it's impossible to read too much into 1% of somebody, 10% or 15% of the group that doesn't get it. Yeah, absolutely. We just had feedback on an awards that we held and the majority of the feedback was it, it was sensational or one of the best ever, but there were two people who said it was poor. And it's like, were you at the same event? Exactly. But that's yeah, the, it's interesting. You can't get hung up on the two that didn't get it, just love the three that did and and then Correct. you know I mean I, I look at the most famous sort of politicians in history none of them ever had 100% approval rating so you've just got to go with you know is that as good as we could have done it where's the improvement coming from how do we get it better let's speak with like-minded people to and unlike-minded people as well in the sense of you know where they think that we can get some improvement coming and go from there yeah but I also find obviously now with my profile being quite high being president of the REI I get a lot of feedback on social media and and so it's been really valuable for me to actually just say to myself, Leanne, you don't value the person, so don't value their feedback. Because people, you know, people have been quite negative about some of my opinions on social media, and that's okay, they're entitled to it, but I can't take it, I can't just take that on board and take that personally. So thank you for that lesson. My pleasure. And so you, for a very long time, your point of difference in the training space was that you were in the real estate market. You were not just selling, you were a business owner. You finally got around to selling that business. How long ago now? So I finished in the actual living rooms and lounge rooms of clients' homes in, in September of 2016. It was actually at your event. It was a catalyst that was brought on by three things. Number one, I was speaking at your event up at... Oh, was that Hamilton Island? Hamilton Island. Hamilton Island and John Eels. Yeah, okay. John Eels was one of the presenters and he sort of said, uh, so how are you speaking for this real estate group? And I said, um, well, I've got a real estate practice. And he said, God, you sound 
nothing like a real estate agent, and I took that as a positive. Um, so he said, you've obviously got more skill than just that. The way you can sort of, you know, take the lessons, he goes, you've actually summarised my talk better than I even know my talk. So you're obviously yeah, right. better in this space. That was the first prompter. The second prompter was you had uh, Matt Church there, and, and I don't know if you remember this, Liam, but Matt and I were on that same bill back in Caloundra in 2003, and Matt I've known since 97 or 8, somewhere in there. And, you know, as I'd introduced uh, Phil Harris, who was speaking uh, ahead of Matt, Matt said, how long is he speaking for us? He's got an hour. He said, let's go grab a, a drink, which was interesting because neither Matt nor I drink. But anyway, <laughs> we grabbed a, a club soda, I think, or a mineral water, and we just started chatting. And he sort of nailed me a little bit by saying, you know, why haven't you written a book? And I said, I just don't know that I've got anything of real great value to sort of bring to the marketplace. He said, nice fluffy answer. Now, let me ask you again, why haven't you written a book? And that sort of prompted me along. The third the third reason from that same conference was my wife, little, little did I know that day, my wife was speaking to a girlfriend of hers from the hotel at, on Hamo back here in Melbourne. Her girlfriend was here and she was saying, oh, you know, Rick must have just been blown away with that result. He negotiated on this property, which to Today, you know, as I look at it now, it's three years on. Sorry, it's it's actually five years on from when I did the deal, and three years on since I got out of real estate. It's actually still a price record today in our marketplace, Leanne. So Gay asked me about it, and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She goes, uh, Nicole told me about this property, Cranberry. I said, Oh yeah, yeah, I, I remember it now. And she goes, When were you going to share that with me? I said, Oh, I don't know. it was a real estate sale, nothing really important. And she said, Well, that's what I'm. That's what I think we need to have a discussion about. I said, Why? She said, You can fly at first flight. Melbourne Telemarine before 6am in the dark, which means leaving my home at about 4am. You can come home just after midnight. You would have flown up to Cairns or, you know, far north Queensland or to Perth, flown in and out same day to speak to five people in the boardroom and you'll want to wake me up and tell me all the ins and outs of that and you don't tell me about a price record in real estate. I said, what are you saying, darling? She says, I think it's time you actually got on with what you're meant to be doing, which is educating which you do for nothing versus real estate which you negotiate your fee aggressively on because you think if i'm going to do it i'm going to get paid well for it <laughs> and i thought yeah uh, so here we go we don't need a bucket of water you've been me. nailed been absolutely nailed by three you know john eels uh, a former yeah. captain and icon of the sport and you know matt church arguably if not the best speaker in the country i'm yet to meet who that person is then if it's not him and and obviously, my wife is the most influential person in my life. So uh, based on that, it was time to get going. So I rang a guy who'd wanted to do a partnership with me from Hamo. We flew back the next day and we settled the business two weeks later. Wow. And then the book, it took you a long time to get around to writing that damn book, but it didn't take you long to write it. No, that's true. I actually had an advance way back in the early 2000s to write a book and I spent the advance and never wrote the book, which was interesting. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, which is good work <laughs> if you can get that. But so now what I do was yeah get really serious about it. so we sold the real estate practice in back into september we then traveled to the states the family At that stage our son was just about to go to work for arguably the best real estate agent on the planet in bob wolf and so we wanted to drop him off nicely there and we we sort of used that opportunity to spend three months there it was on when the election was running and trump against clinton the whole sort of thing we got back in time for Christmas. The Boxing Day test match was washed out, so I started writing the book and I finished it sort of uh, Valentine's Day in 2017 and then it was launched back end of a soft launch in November of 2017. So that's about six weeks. Yeah, and I probably could have done it quicker again to be brutally honest. Oh, of course honestly, you could right? have. No, only because of the fact that, and you know me, I, like instant coffee is not quite fast enough for me, but I I toyed with, cha I, I wrote it, changed it, wrote it again, changed it, and then 
wrote it the third time, which is virtually what I wrote the first time. So it was right. It was one of those things where I just uh, I didn't actually start it. This is the beginning and finish with the end. I actually just wrote concepts and then you know just whacked it all together and uh, didn't know if it was any good to be brutally honest. But a good friend of mine who's written eleven published books, one of which is a book called Sumo, which is an acronym for Shut Up, Move On. Paul McGee, who actually ended up writing the forward to my book and who will be sharing the stage with at your event uh in the next I can't wait. yeah uh he i sent it to him and said you know let me know if this is any good he said great mate i'm traveling to spain over the weekend i'll read it there and so he had a pdf copy of it never heard from him for two weeks leanne so i thought ooh, can't be that good mm, can't be good yep but uh, i was driving along in my car his name came up on the screen i was with my wife and uh i said yeah mate how are you going he says mate be honest with me did you write that i said write what he said write the book i said yeah he goes i'm not going to think anything less of you if you tell me you had it ghostwritten for you i said no no i wrote it i said is it any good he goes Maybe. god i can tell you wrote it it's your voice all over yeah and he goes gosh he goes i guess any good he goes mate it's it's effing amazing and i went oh i said just so you know you're only out speaking with my wife and he goes hello gay how are you doing? and all that sort of stuff i go so getting back to the book is it any good and then he repeats the f word again and yeah. um so luckily without his intervention i think i'd still be shipping it around and shopping it around to publishers but he sure he was yeah. opening up a whole heap of doors for me and then it just went better than they thought it's about to be republished and repackaged for the North American market. Um, is that out. right? Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. So it's been sort of one of those things. So talking about courageous conversations, people go, yeah, that was courageous of you to leave a real estate practice, the surety of knowing you could, whether you rocked up and wrote $1 of commission or no dollars of commission, you'd had a guaranteed income coming out of that place because of the way you'd set it up over the previous two decades and all that sort of stuff. But the reality was, Leanne, it wasn't that courageous. I just knew I had to get on and do it, especially when I was nailed by, again, gets back to that opening point you talked about if you don't value the person you're not going to value the feedback i'm pretty sure if three or four people i didn't value said i reckon it's time you decided what you want to do for the balance of your professional life i would still be in real estate today but because they were three people i truly valued uh, it was very easy for me to make that decision pretty quickly well, I'm happy that I could facilitate that environment for you. One of the many things you facilitated for me over the years. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so when are you writing the next book? Well, the irony is is that, you know, I actually think I could write one tomorrow and finish it within, you know, a week, but I'm – I'm sort of guided a little bit by my publisher, so they want me to do uh, another one around the same topic, and that's where we've already hit a bit of a snag because I'm not really great at doing the same thing over and over again. And so I like new topics, but uh, publishers like Wiley, they prefer that someone goes deep into a topic three or four times. And so someone like um, you know our good friend Chris Helder, who'll also be speaking, uh, I think, at the uh, event next uh, week. Oh, actually, yeah, I've got my all-star cast back, yeah, haven't yeah, I? You have. Awesome. Well, well, Chris has written a number of books through the same publisher, and he, he has gone yep. deep on the communication topic, which mine is as well. But yeah, you know, I want to do other things. And um, but you know, Chris tells me that that's the that's the secret. Just have multiple books around the same topic, which is kind of for me almost going to a karaoke, singing the same song over and over again. I'd like to sort of you know step totally. things a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. At the moment, we're in discussions. But I've got a meeting uh, next week as it pans out. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But so when's the next one coming? Uh, if I'm given the green light, I reckon I could write depends it pretty quickly. <laughs> But, what would you like to write it on? I'm very big on to leadership at the moment. I think leadership is okay. one of those things that's, you know, markets go up and down, economies change, interest rates fluctuate. The one thing that's always in high demand is leadership. And I think, you know, you only have to look at uh, who's got the keys to the White House at the moment to understand that mm. you know, globally we are – 
uh, seeing a shortage of quality leaders. In, you know, in our political system, leaders are getting out at a great rate of knots. You know, um, I don't think the next generations of leaders are anything like what we grew up with. You know, I, I sense that right across real estate, right across every industry, that leadership is still a wanted commodity. So I'd love to talk about sharing some of the leadership lessons I've learned from being around some of the most amazing leaders on the planet. And uh, I don't want to sound too dramatic when I say that, but I've, you know, when I think of some of the people I've learned from and some of the things I've been able to sort of see firsthand, you know, I get the great fortune to work in elite sport and, you know, I'll be doing a, a presentation at Cricket Australia at the end of this month. And, you know, they've had some leadership challenges with a, a recent controversy over the last 12 months. And just to see how they've dealt with that as, as a leadership team and things of that nature. So I, I'm right into that. And I think, you know, I think, you know, Generation X and Generation Next want totally different leaders, but they're going to have to be packaged out of the one sort of person. So what does that look like and, you know, how's that go? So I've got some real passionate beliefs about that. So I think that would be the – if I could write that book, Leanne, I reckon I could get it to you by the weekend. But Yeah, you know. well, I think you should just write it um, yeah. and, um, you know, keep your publishers happy and do that one later, but do <laughs> do the one that you're passionate about now. I reckon that you know the right people to make it happen. Yeah, now, see, just based on the fact that you've actually given me that advice, I've, I've taken note of it because I do value you, so it does play into everything. <laughs> About here. Absolutely. And I have to just give you a shout out for your podcast, Voices of Value. You've had some incredible leadership presentations, leadership speakers on there, but also there's been a lot of conversations around well-being and in particular mental well-being, which is a conversation that not everybody is willing to have. So congratulations on what you're putting out there on that. I've found it really, really interesting. Yeah, thank you. We're a year in now, so we're up to season two, if that's the right scenario to say. And I think we're just shy of 50 episodes and some of those people have been real thought leaders, not just in the real estate space, but uh, as you say, outside different fields. We've had futurists like Steve Sammartino. We've had sort of leadership gurus like Nathan Buckley and uh, just recently Nick Maxwell. We've had real estate identities like David Knox and Bob Wolf and Sharon Trivasta, who's the, the modern day genius, I think, in the real estate landscape. We've had um, you know, Olympians. We've had uh, you know, Commonwealth Games gold medalists. We've had... Uh, uh, you know, business entrepreneurs, but still my heroes in this day and age, uh, anyone who's kind of, you know, come from the wrong side of the tracks or, you know, maybe not from the uh, normal pathways and have made it work. I just, I love having those conversations. I get to connect with a good friend of mine once a week and, you know, so we have a lot of fun doing it. So, yeah, if any of your listeners are, are looking for more than just courageous conversations, it's Voices of Baby <laughs> podcast and uh, they'll be able to find that on all good outlets, you know, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. Beautiful. And if people want to buy your book, well, I'll take their money. Um, but the uh, I know you will. The best way is just to go straight onto my site, where there's a lot of other free content on there as well. But you know, the book is about to go into a second reprint. That's changing covers, and it's about to be retitled and rebranded for the American marketplace. But the original one, which is the Power of Connection, is available on my site, which is just myname.com. So it's R I K R U S H T O N dot com, just rickrushton.com, and you can get uh, the book there and. Uh, if you buy it there, it'll be the same price as getting it in a bookstore, but I'll send it to you autographed. Which might, oh, God love you. Which might devalue it, but we'll see how that goes. Oh, I'm sure that's not true. All righty. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really, really appreciate you being part of the podcast, and I can't wait to catch up with you in Kingscliff very soon. Oh, I look forward to it. Thanks for the opportunity, and uh, here's the two more continued conversations around the topic of courage. Thank you very much. <laughs>